I just love hiring people. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a joke. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey there, podcast. Today we're going to focus on hiring, firing, internal and external leadership, as well as company culture. We've pulled eight clips from past YouTube videos to help articulate Gary's thoughts on ways in which leaders build and manage winning teams. I've added a quick punchline before each segment for additional context. Enjoy and let us know what you thought on social. Gary V up next. Employees rely on their leader's vision. Good news. I stood in front of this company in September and rolled out a new vision called the Vayner Volume Model. 98% of them thought I was out of my mind. Uh-huh. Didn't believe in it at all. Thought that I'm like the crazy founder and like I'm silly, but like when it becomes real, this, you know, so just lead. Just... Anytime you have full buy-in from your employees, you're in a dangerous place. It means that there should be some sort of friction from somebody who's leading up in front and sees everything and is driving a company versus people that work in it who are in the, like, they're, they're, like my job is to be like, oh shit, there's an iceberg, I'm gonna move this way. And everybody who's downstairs is like, what do you mean? The water's been super clear the whole time. I'm like, no, no, there's an iceberg. But they're in the fucking basement. They're like, it's been such a nice fucking ride. Like, this has been so smooth. Leaders need to understand what's happening next. Employees are executing on the current and overvalue the past. How to make good hires. This is actually a stunningly easy uh, answer and outrageously difficult for small businesses to execute. Number one, pay $18 an hour. Let's start, let's go block by block. If I, if, you know, if I bought your bus- into your business and now we were partners and we started tomorrow and you're like, all right, here we are, 9 a.m. Monday, right? You'd say, this is our biggest problem. I'd say, okay, who are our competitors and or similar businesses to us, even if they didn't do the same exact thing? Doctors, offices versus dermatologists, dentists, whatever, right? And how do we figure out, and I'm being dead serious right now, how do we figure out, like I used to go to liquor stores as a customer, and if I thought somebody had any level of hustle or charisma, I took no, I didn't try, I always, it's funny, I would go to see it, I never would poach somebody in it because that for some reason was my line of disrespectful. But then I would always come back to my store and ask my salespeople who were part of the industry to get me that person's number or do you know this person? You could call, read Yelp reviews. You could figure out who they are and literally just pay them more. When I hear I want to grow, create abundance for my family but not always be there, that means you have to hire people. Like, like if you don't want to be there and you want to be home or you want to at least be able to mentally relax on a Friday afternoon, well then you need to pay 18, not 14. People create these arbitrary numbers. Well, salespeople in the Sugarland area, they get this commit, like why? Do you know why people are charging 30% for like backend kind of infrastructure on technology? Because Apple decided 30% was the rake they were gonna take for the app store and that became the standard. And had they decided 27, bless you Reed, or 33 or something else, that's what everybody would do. My senior executive team was like, but this is what's going on in the industry. I'm like, that has nothing to do with Vayner. There's places where we have to overpay and there's places we should not pay anything because we're Vayner. Like, you have to play in the reality. So the first thing that comes to mind is you'll get better people if you pay 18 and if you run the math and you can afford that, there's something funny that happens. You may make a little less profit in the next six months 
but if you have better people, you'll probably make more profit in 2020 and have more time for yourself. Number two, then you get into retention. And retention's really completely predicated on communication. You have to be willing to. My dad would never talk to his employees because he didn't want them to ask him for a raise. It's real. Like, and so that worked for nobody. He might have extracted a little less cost for six or nine months, but then he had to deal with the ramifications of people leaving, right? I think it's communication. How to build company culture. Money where your mouth is. Culture's easy if you're willing to fire people that produce money that are assholes. Yeah. Firing them, good. I actually don't mind firing. Good. Firing. I don't mind firing. So, so, so to me, what's that? It's just as important as hiring. Hiring, firing. Firing's way more important. Way more. Because hiring is guessing. Firing is knowing. Kalen, Kalen said. I used the way I hire, like when I'm like left to my vices, like cool, yeah, interested. Come on. So you're saying your firing sets the tone of the culture. I do believe that. Yes. There's nothing better than firing somebody who's cancerous in culture. It sets the tone. It builds confidence. I'm very big on that, and then just articulating it. I mean, every day people come in here, like into my office, like Gary, like. You know, people love fucking theoretics. Gary, what are we doing here? <laughs> I'm like, I put out content every, I mean, every day I've articulated that we're building a machine that sells shit so I can buy a brand. Like, like it's like, like, like it's the most, like it's crazy. People have been here for six years. They walk in sometimes, they're like, Gary, you know, I feel like we've lost our way here at Vayner. Like, what are we doing here? I'm like, and I literally go into like Gary V mode, not Gary Vaynerchuk, the executive. I'm like, all right, well, we're building a marketing machine to, to hone my skills and meet people and train you guys up and then the economy's gonna collapse and I'm gonna buy Puma or K-Swiss or Hershey's. We're gonna run it through. I'm like, and they're like, like, it's like, I've been very consistent here. That's what we're doing here. Fire bad employees or let them quit? Best phone rep. We actually were about to fire them and they let go of themselves. Best feeling. It was a huge missed opportunity for you. Huge. You didn't make an impact in culture because they left on their terms, not you firing them. Huge miss. I mean it. Give that thought to like everybody else. I know that you don't run the whole company. What did she do that situation? She didn't. She won the game. You guys lost. I'm devastated when that happens at Vayner. At Vayner when I'm, like, there's people that are fired at Vayner right now in my head, but it might take me three and a half months to make it happen for a magnitude of reasons. Occasionally that person will quit and I'm devastated because I wasn't able through my actions to show the rest of the company that we know that that person wasn't right. Do you tell them that, hey, I fired this person? People know everything. She got ahead of you guys. She won. Your employees don't know that. They don't believe you. And then they're going and saying something to the employees before they leave, so it's like. A hundred percent. She controlled the narrative. Missed opportunity, but still a good net positive. But it's something to think about. And I know that you don't have all the control. I remember kind of the narrative from the sneaker thing, whatever, but like, just that kind of, back to like what I'm trying to do here, it's advice for everybody else. It's, it's, for people that don't like to fire, it's the double damage.
Because they have the narrative, they control it. I'm out of this fucking, they were to cancer, they know that they're not on point with you, so they got ahead of it, and then they tell everybody, I'm leaving this shit place, this place always sucked, I leave, and they have all the leverage. Got it? I know I'm right. Correct. And then you have collateral damage. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. You got to you got to always control the narrative. It's, I'm telling you, it's, you, notice how I reacted? It's like one of my most difficult things running this co. Because sometimes there's reasons not to fire somebody, whether it, I gotta transition a client, whether one of the biggest reasons I don't fire clients is I have to build equity with the three or four people around them because they've already been doing cancer and I gotta siphon the equity to me before I fire them. Yeah. Sally shit, her crew is being manipulated by Sally. I like that crew and there's a lot of great people. I've got to spend two months between me and other managers to build equity with them so they understand Sally's garbage and then you get rid of Sally because if you get rid of Sally before then, they leave too. Like it's the most funny thing ever. It's like parents. Remember all the shit you thought your parents didn't know but then you got older and they're like, I fucking knew you were jumping out the window and hooking up with Rick. And you're like, fuck mom, how'd you know? Cause you know. I love when my employees think I don't know. I fucking know everything. <laughs> no, but right, right, Nick. Like, like, like that was like an evolution, right? It's interesting, right? Yeah, you're super on it, but like. Anyway, that's not your question. Go ahead. Why your first twenty hires are so important? Um. Yeah. So if you can think back to then. Yeah. Give me. I mean. A couple core things. Yeah. Disproportionate overcommunication with every single person that's in it. Like the game changing reason why VaynerMedia is still foundationally strong is how close I was to the first 100 employees. It still permeates. It'll rear its head later of like old Vayner, new, like there's many things that will come from it later, but it is the number, honestly, it's raising a child. Overlove the fuck out of your kid in the first four years and see ridiculous dividends later. Like, you know, later you can worry about entitlement. But at four, they can't be entitled. Just love the fuck out of them. Later, you can like not let them win like I do with now, you know? Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, and they'll cry, like does every day, but, but because they're getting used to like, what is this, I'm so, you know? Uh, but over, so it's your, are you, you're the guy? Mm-hmm. You, you have to build a real relationship with all of them. Thanks for the post you posted yesterday. It's very sweet. Uh, you have to build a real relationship and and you have to manage all of them differently. You have to manage them based on them, right, no. not based on you. Right, yeah. And you, sometimes they want, and at first everyone wants, there's a million things. Sure. At, at 12 and 20, like you're gonna have that awesome culture. Like, you know, people are gonna stay later, you're yeah. close as fuck. Cut out the cancer quick. Okay. If you buy accent, fucked up and hired somebody, you gotta get, you know, give her or him real, ra- the only time I'm pretty radical candor is when 
they're a singular cancer in a small group where I'm like, hey, like, nobody likes you. Well, I'm the best employee. I'm like, cool, I'm still gonna fire you. That the best employee isn't the one who makes the most money or the client likes the best, it's the holistic best. And all 11 people in this office don't love the way you're rolling. Makes sense. So that's important. Early cancer is important because it keeps like positive vibes. It's, it's a very nurture, I think, I think the first four years of a company are disproportionately nurturing. You know, it's, it's actually really funny. I, I, <laughs> there was a period in 2011-12 when I was investing in pretty heavily in female-centric startups you know, Birchbox and McMag and all these companies and, you know, later it became such a part of our culture of like, you know, there was a moment 24 months ago where like, what's your portfolio look like with female founders and I could see it was bubbling up and I remember thinking like, this is gonna be awesome <laughs> because I was really in a good place but it was really funny. I was in a good place, not by being a noble man or like trying to be fair, it was out of my general thesis of the other way. It was my disrespect, it was my, uh, it was me being, um, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? It, well, no, because sorry, I used the word because it was me being, I was stereotyping men. Yeah. Even though I'm a nurturing dude, I was stereotyping men for not being, I was being very, very basic. Women are, you know, but I actually believe it. I believe uh, that over nurturing emotionally a business in the first three to four years is remarkably underrated. All feelings, all kumbaya. I mean, you gotta pay the bills. You gotta get through. But I think that's where if you can help and I don't know you well enough, if you can put a lot of the financial onus on yourself and you know, right? It's yeah. very cliche. That's why I asked you, did you start it first? I'm like, good, he's gonna be able to do this because he was a, like, when you're the person that is the thing at first, you know it. Like that's the, the, you can't imagine how fun it is to walk through this company knowing that me as the CEO is the best practitioner of social media work. There is no executive that I'm scared of in my own company. It's very powerful. Most executives lose touch with reality. Or never had it in the first place. They just like thought of a business idea and like their partner was the one that made the bread. You know? So as much onus and pressure on you to allow it to establish that culture and then where I missed the mark was in year five, six, seven, some, um, when we were here. When did we first move in here? Three? Three, right? Three, it's three. Three will be in August, right? Yeah, yeah, so what are we in, 19, 16? I took over, five years in, I, I did, it's so, I waited one year too long to make the transition from over-nurturing to merit, which then incre- creates entitlement. And I had, a, I had a very difficult time unwinding that. It took me a good year and a half because I let go of 30 people to make this statement, rip the Band-Aid. Right. That fucked up everybody. I mean, you would have thought that like it was the Great Depression here. But people yelling at me in an all hands on in my own employees being like, "Fuck you." Um, but that you know, the, I I made the mistake. I waited a year, a year and a half too long. To go from lovey dovey to just like, hey, you're it's a meritocracy. I make fun of entitlement. Don't let your kids win eighth place trophies. But I missed the mark here by a year, a year and a half. And the moment I realized it, I was like, I just remember going through that in my own mind. I was like, this is gonna suck. Because what entitled kids, 
don't like is when you cut off their credit card. <laughs> like, like the kids that you buy Mercedes for in high school pay for their college, unlimited Uber, unlimited Equinox, and the first year out of college you buy them their apartment and you get them unlimited Uber continues and you got them their job when you decide, because you're a parent that decides that for some weird reason 23 is the year a kid gets cut off, that kid fucking shits on you like crazy. Because you didn't condition them. So, I'm well <laughs> so, so that happened. So I think, I think if you can get your t- that to me is the framework. If you can get your timing right from over coddling culture safety, yes, mm, heart, and you can make that transition to merit. And every company's different. Every leader's different. You know, I missed the mark here, which I will hope will make me not miss the mark the next time. It's a, but here's why I do it. I missed the mark, and our company's never been healthier today. Overcorrecting from when you created too much entitlement is a hell of a lot better than establishing a company that is a soulless financial machine. You're never injecting culture into that. So the seed matters. Leaders need to develop their communication skills. For the first, in college, all the way till I exited my first business, I was pretty much solo. And so. It doesn't come natural. Right. Try to figure out your way. Maybe it's maybe you know maybe it's phone calls. Maybe it's hiring a chief heart officer, like making an investment to culture now, mm-hmm. and giving her or him disproportionate power. Yeah, I'm excited to, for Claude. You know. Yeah. Cool. Cool. How to make a key hire? <laughs> and see, what's really interesting about this, right? So what's interesting is like, and these people actually do it. Like, what? What? And this is actually just an insight for all of you. What's interesting about me and probably what's manifested with me is I'm dangerous enough to be able to give that answer where people that actually know are like, fuck, that's a good answer, right? That's, what, that's something that's just good for everybody to learn. I, I, back to all the plates, I think something that people understand is how important it is to be dangerous enough. And you better be dangerous enough in technology and communication because that's where our world's going until all of us die. Those two things are here. You better be dangerous enough in understanding tech and you better be dangerous enough in understanding how to communicate, which currently is social media. Like, that's probably a much bigger factor in who I am right now than maybe even I articulate enough. I'm glad I just did that, because that really fucking matters. Because you do have to market your business even if you're B2B, and you should know how to do LinkedIn marketing because it will change your businesses. You, you need, you going into SaaS, you can't rent that shit. You better be part of me has to be part of you. So, and listen, one of the weird, you know, I think the mistake a lot of people would make four years ago is you're gonna learn how to code. Like everybody thought that was the unlock to, you know, like, like, you know, like, it's a commodity. Every kid, like I couldn't get, I was so pumped five years ago when everyone was sending their kid to learn how to code. I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. Coding is gonna be like plumbing. I'm gonna be paying fucking 26,000 a year for, everyone's like, you're gonna make 250,000. I'm like, do people understand basic human supply and demand? If everybody learns how to code, (laughs) like the reason all those kids that actually were nerds and learned how to code and popped out in 2003, four, five, six, seven mattered is because that's what it was coming and nobody had the skill and so that's why they won. Every fucking, if every eight year old learns how to fucking code, right? Gary, just on that. Please. Where would you find your CTO? Like, what, 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 what,
You know, look, bro, honestly, you fuck, this is why I love this shit. Yeah, like, right. you should talk to these two. They probably know people. Like, there's a lot of ways to go about this. Uh, you know, you can just, you can either talk to people that Mark also, like, you could, these people probably know, I mean, you're in Australia, they may not know. Like, there's things to talk about here. You can decide to go remote. You could be like me and you want all the gushpuk here. Like, whatever you do, but it's not as hard as you think. You know, like, one thing that I've always liked to do in the beginning is you look at shit in the world that you like and you literally do four hours of Google to find people that built it. You find out it's an agency that built it here and then you reach out and you look on the agency site and you literally see head of product and you're Karen Thompson and inevitably her Twitter is linked to it and you just DM her and say, Karen Thompson, your fucking app that you built for Honeybee was really rad and a great product. Like, I'm looking to hire a CTO and she's like, as a matter of fact, our head of you know development over here just said to me yesterday that I'm on a new job. Like, I mean, like, you work. Preparing your employees for change. One more culture question for you, if you don't mind. Um, so I'm as addicted to starting new businesses. They'll tell you yes. that as well. So how do you make your current team feel like you're not going to abandon them, or is it by like not abandoning them? Well, yeah, but like <laughs> obviously, but like, leave anyway. and I mean they know my yeah, personality just, by now. But it's like, you, ha, ha, you, wait, less look, time of yours. One hundred percent. What worked for me is I would say things over and over. They mainly didn't believe it. And then over time as things happened, they believed it more, and that's how you build a reputation. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. You know? Yeah. It's it's funny how basic it is. But what do you can do? Like hypnotize them? Oh, like like you know, like, like a, a factor <laughs> No no but I'm I'm like making jumping people around you or like you know No, because it's still not you. Right. Right? How do you make sure they know that you're not gonna abandon them? That doesn't come in the form of hiring me. Hey, I'm here. I'm, you know, like that. That, that makes it seem like they, you're going to abandon yeah, that. Yeah. You know, like here's Carl. He's really important. Now they're like, fuck. This is the thing. You know, <laughs> I've gone the other way. <laughs> I've gotten more in. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm like literally, like I even eliminated the COO role at Vayner. Uh, I'm the COO. That really gets you to believe it. What's up everybody, it's Gary Vee. I am super fired up. If you are not aware, the new 004s from K-Swiss are here. Positivity and optimism. You know, for me, when I'm thinking about products, sneakers, wine, anything I do, it's always like, are you actually passionate about it? You know, the one thing I would tell all of you is before you launch anything, do you actually believe in it? Is it your truth? Nothing is more exciting to me than to throw a right hook in a world where I jab 24-7 when I actually believe in the right hook. I believe in this sneaker, I believe in this concept, and most of all, if I can get one of you that sees this to look down at your feet when you're walking or living life and you needing that little burst of a different perspective on the fact that we are living this life, that is the ROI of this execution. If you're buying sneakers in some shape or form, please make it 004, positivity and optimism.